The word of the Lord for Good Friday 2023 comes to us from Matthew chapter 27, verses 15 through 23. The Holy Spirit says this. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release to the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father, we ask now that you would open your word to us and that you would open us up to your word. We pray, our Father, in the name of your Son, the crucified Lord Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, after this week... I uh, think of Good Friday as I never have before. You know, I heard Bethany uh, talking to someone at either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I think everyone, I've not seen every single person in the room, I think everyone here knows, but if you don't, uh, my mom, who's a longtime member of this church, uh, passed away last Saturday. We had her viewing Tuesday here, her funeral here Wednesday. We buried her uh, yesterday in Ludington. And uh, so either Tuesday or Wednesday, Bethany was talking to someone about how we have three of our children are born around Christmas time and how when those babies were born, uh, the incarnation of Jesus was just felt differently in her heart and in our home. You know, it was, it was real. It was like right in front of us. And the same is true this week for Good Friday. You know, death is in front of us. Uh, It's in front of the entire community of our church, of course. Uh, But for our family, for for me, it's, you know, even more so. And so um, Holy Week will always now have this uh, memory and this family marker. And there's a different understanding for what happened on Good Friday. Not theologically, of course. Theologically, the understanding is the same, but 
you know, personally, interrelationally between Jesus and his mother and his disciples. You know, you can, you can feel it. We can feel it. Our, ch- our church community can feel it. We gathered here at Christ Community Church five days ago for Palm Sunday, where we recounted the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the king. Of course, on Holy Monday, Jesus cleansed the temple. On Holy Tuesday, Jesus taught the Olivet Discourse. On Holy Wednesday, or as some call it, Spy Wednesday, Judas betrayed Jesus. On Maundy Thursday, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he transitioned the Passover meal into the Eucharist, and Jesus was handed over to the Jewish leaders. And now on Good Friday, Jesus has been falsely convicted by a kangaroo court. And we come to the point now where Pilate must decide the fate of Jesus. And so we confessed it earlier, as Christians have confessed for 2,000 years. What does it mean that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate? Well, St. Matthew tells us that it was customary, there was a custom in the first century, apparently, uh, every year at Passover where the Roman governor of Israel would release one prisoner for the crowd's choosing. The scene that we just read is very politically charged. We can miss that sometimes because we're so used to the rhythm of the liturgy of Holy Week or at least we should be, and this narrative among the entire passion narrative can become so familiar to us. We can see the flannel graphs in our mind. We can see the Sunday school coloring pages in our mind, and, and I don't know if there's a VeggieTales episode, but if there is, you could probably see that in your mind too. We're just familiar. The passion of the Christ, everything that we've seen, that we've celebrated every year as a church, during Holy Week. But, but this scene is not just religious tradition. These were real people in a real place, in a political environment. And Pilate is not just a line in a Christian creed or um, a character in a kid's Sunday school lesson. Pilate was the Roman governor of Jerusalem, of this area. And so there's, there's a lot of politics involved in the scene that we just read. The setting, of course, is the annual Passover where Israel would celebrate and remember when God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And after years of wandering in the wilderness, Joshua led the conquest of the promised land. And after the tumultuous period of the judges and the notorious reign of King Saul, David was anointed king and David ruled in Jerusalem. But this scene, this scene we just read, is a far cry from the days of King David. 
Because of Israel's perpetual, unrepentant sin, God exiled them from the promised land for 70 years. And when Israel returned to the promised land, they rebuilt the temple, but they never had another king. To this day, there has never been a king in Jerusalem since the exile. Now in our pericope this evening, the people of Israel are in Jerusalem in the first century and they are celebrating the Passover, but it is not under their own king that they celebrate. It is under Roman rule administered by a governor. And so apparently the governor from Rome had this custom every year of releasing a prisoner on Israel's highest of holy feasts. And what this was, was basically the Roman governor throwing the people an inconsequential bone to keep them pacified. Don't say I didn't ever do anything for you. This year's candidate was an, a man named Barabbas. Mark and Luke, in their Gospels, tell us that Barabbas had been involved in an insurrection against Rome and that Barabbas had committed murder. Mark 15, 7, Luke 23, 19. So Pilate, at this point, after all of the events of Holy Week and all of the events of the night of Maundy Thursday and the morning of Good Friday, so now Pilate still has this custom, it's Passover, and he asks the crowd if they want Barabbas to be released or if they want Jesus, who is called Christ, to be released. Pilate, who was a political animal himself, knew that it was out of envy that the Jewish leadership brought Jesus to him, but surely the people would do the reasonable thing, he thought. Pilate apparently had never been to a Baptist church business meeting <laughs> where the reasonable thing isn't always the will of the people. Pilate's wife even tried to warn him that she had had a bad dream and that he should have nothing to do with Jesus because Jesus is righteous. And all the women are like, he should have listened to his wife, you know? <laughs> if only. But the chief priests and the elders, they persuaded the crowd, and the crowd shouted, crucify him. The crowd that five days earlier, as we saw, shouted, Hosanna to the King of David. Hosanna in the highest. They now shout, let him be crucified. This shouldn't catch us off guard, though. Matthew's gospel has been leading us to this point the whole way. And not just Matthew's gospel, but all four of the gospels. One theologian said that the gospels are all passion narratives with extended introductions. It's not merely the gospels that have prepared us for Good Friday, though. It's really, it's the entire Old Testament. 
We were being prepared for Good Friday when Moses told us in Genesis 1 and 2 that God created the heavens and the earth and that God created Adam in his image. And we were being prepared for Good Friday when Moses told us in Genesis 3 that Adam fell in sin. And we were being prepared for Good Friday when in Genesis 3.15, Yahweh said that Satan would bruise Jesus' heel. We were being prepared for Good Friday when Yahweh commanded Noah to build an ark to protect his people from the wrath of the flood. And we were being prepared for Good Friday when Noah walked off the ark and offered a sacrifice to God. We were being prepared for Good Friday when Yahweh commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And we were being prepared for Good Friday when Yahweh offered the ram in Isaac's place. We were being prepared for Good Friday when the Passover lamb stood in the place of the children of Israel and death passed over their homes. We were being prepared for Good Friday when the Lord instituted the sacrificial system and the old covenant priesthood and God's people shed the blood of animals for hundreds of years to stay the wrath of God. Pastor Bobby read it in our second call to worship this morning. We were being prepared for Good Friday when Isaiah said that it was the will of the Lord to crush him and that he would be pierced for our transgressions and that by his blood we would have peace. Every Old Testament pericope is a brick on the road leading to Calvary. And there is irony in the choice that Pilate gives the people between Barabbas and Jesus, who is called Christ. You see, the name Barabbas means son of the father. Bar means son, Abba means father, Barabbas, son of the father. But Jesus is the true son of the father. In his divine nature, Jesus Christ is the eternal second person of the Holy Trinity who took on human nature in his incarnation. We confessed it earlier in the creed that the Son was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, and now we find ourselves to that next line in the creed, suffered under Pontius Pilate. And Pilate himself tells us of the righteousness of Jesus. In verse 19, Pilate's wife says Jesus is a righteous man. Pilate even asks in verse 23, what evil has he done? The answer is none. Pilate's wife is correct. Jesus is righteous. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned in thought, word, or deed. 
Jesus never sinned by what he did. Jesus never sinned by what he left undone. 2 Peter 1.1 says that our faith is obtained by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus never broke God's law. Because Jesus is righteous, Jesus is the only one who could suffer under Pontius Pilate. It is in the choice between Barabbas and Jesus that we see the most tangible flesh and blood picture in Scripture of penal substitutionary atonement. Penal substitutionary atonement means this. It's a doctrine, it's a theology, it's a summary of what the Bible teaches. It means to atone for the sins of another by paying the penalty as their substitute. To atone for the sins of another by paying the penalty as their substitute. Penal substitutionary atonement. And Jesus was not only innocent, Jesus was actively righteous. Barabbas was guilty. Jesus was innocent and righteous. Barabbas was guilty. Barabbas, like the original son of the father, Adam, was guilty. And Jesus stood in Barabbas' place and he was crucified, dead, and buried. You think about the community of Jesus in the first century. And at this point, where Jesus dies and is buried, the emotion of what's going on. Bethany and I were talking about it earlier, driving here, because of the experience of this week. The disciples had been up all night with Jesus praying. In fact, they keep falling asleep because they're so tired, and Jesus rebukes them, stay awake and pray. And then they're up all night through his trial. We know for sure that Peter is watching, and we know that John is watching, so you would assume to some degree the other disciples are I don't know where they are, probably not sleeping though, because they ran for their lives. And Peter is asked three times if he's a follower of Jesus, and he denies Jesus three times. They're tired, they feel shame. They feel guilt. They feel like they've wasted the last three years of their lives. They're probably angry at Jesus. I thought you were the Christ. Scripture tells us they did not understand that he had to die and rise again. The exhaustion, the emotion of Good Friday 
as Jesus stands in the place of Barabbas. In Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter is preaching in Solomon's portico and he condemns the Jews for choosing Barabbas over Jesus. Peter says, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life. Acts 3.14. And what this tells us is that the very author of life was willing to experience death to save his people. You see, as Jesus was on the cross, all of the types and shadows of the Old Testament sacrifices found their fulfillment. Jesus stood as the substitute to pay the penalty and atone for the sins of his people. On the cross, God poured out his wrath on Jesus, and Jesus experienced the guilt and the shame and the wrath for every sin ever committed by every believer. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Our focus tonight, of course, is on the death of Christ. It's on Good Friday. Our focus on Sunday will be on the resurrection of Christ as Pastor Kevin will preach from Matthew chapter 28. And so tonight, we balance the tension of sitting in and feeling Good Friday. We don't want to skip over that. We don't want to miss that. That's the reason why we're all here, right? I mean, I would assume at least if you're over the age of 18, no one's making you be here. So you're choosing to do this. We are intentionally feeling, remembering what Good Friday is. But we're doing it with the knowledge that Sunday is coming. On Good Friday, Jesus' heel was bruised. But on Sunday morning, that same heel will crush the serpent's head. So because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, that means everything that Jesus ever said and everything that Jesus ever did is true. That means that if you will repent of your sin and you will trust in Christ alone, you will receive the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. In response to the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you must repent of your sin. To repent means to turn from your sin, to turn away from your sin. It means to agree with God that you are a sinner who justly deserves eternal conscious punishment in hell. It is to say the opposite of 1 John 1.8, which says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. To repent is to say we have sin. We fall short. You must also place your faith in Jesus alone. You must receive the knowledge of the good news of Jesus. You must assent that it is true. And finally, you must transfer your trust to Jesus alone. 
You must trust that on the last day, God will forgive your sins and God will give you eternal life, not because of anything that you've ever said or not because of anything that you've ever done, but because of the sinless life, the substitutionary death and the saving resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. So on Good Friday, the most important question I can ask you is, have you repented of your sin? Do you trust in Jesus alone? If you haven't, do so today. Because if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As I mentioned, we were in Ludington yesterday for the burial and had a beautiful service. And this morning, we woke up in Ludington and we were getting ready to drive back here for Good Friday service with our family. And before we left Ludington, we stopped one last time at the cemetery and Bethany and I went out to uh, the, the grave plot. When we had left it yesterday, you know, the, the hole was still open. They hadn't filled it in. We went there today, and it was, you know, flat dirt with the flowers on it. And I was thinking about sitting with the reality of Good Friday. She's dead and buried. She wasn't going to get up. I could still be standing there now, and she still would not have gotten up. The wages of sin is death. And on Good Friday, after sundown, and for all of Holy Saturday tomorrow, you could have stood outside Jesus' grave and nothing would have happened because he was dead. He died. He died and he was buried. Church, that's where we are right now. On Good Friday, we stand at the foot of the cross. We stand at the tomb. And Jesus isn't moving. Feel that. Jesus isn't moving because of your sin. Jesus is laying without breath and his heart is not beating because of my sin. But Sunday is coming. Let's pray.
Our Father, we confess that we eagerly anticipate for the sun to rise on Sunday morning. But we must not get there too quickly because he who knew no sin became sin for us. We believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Father, now as we come to your holy meal and as we remember the body of your Son broken for us and the blood of your Son shed for us. We pray that if there's anyone here among the gathering this morning who has not repented and trusted in Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would open their eyes even now through the preaching of your word and that they would see the beauty of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and they would repent and they would believe. Father, we ask for your people this evening that we would be keenly aware that as Jesus was nailed to the cross, it was our debt of sin. That on the cross, as Jesus experienced hell for us, as Jesus drank every drop of the cup of your wrath for his people. Father, we ask that we would be humble, that we would be thankful, that it would cause us to persevere, that it would cause us to obey, and that it would give us hope for our loved ones, and for ourselves. That even though sometimes those Good Fridays and Holy Saturdays last years and lifetimes, that one day if we have faith in Jesus, we will walk out of our graves. because the tomb of Jesus is empty and he is sitting at your right hand and he now dines with us. Bless your word and bless this meal we ask our Father in the name of your son who was crucified, died and buried and by the power of the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. Amen.